For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome to Talking Transfers from the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by 90 Min's transfer correspondent Graham Bailey and 90 Min's top cat Toby Cudworth. Please subscribe on all your major podcast platforms to the show and follow us on social media at double underscore Scott Saunders, at Graham Bailey and at Toby underscore Cudworth. Toby and Graham, how are we doing? Toby, I'll come to you. Good. Enjoying uh, this late summer weather, Florence. Even though it's Toby, hot. are you not massively concerned by it, though? Oh, yeah, 100%, 100%. But I've never been so pasty in my life. So at the weekend, I managed to take one day to do a bit of gardening, which sounds incredibly old of me, um, and top up the tan. But I say this, I've seen the weather forecast. It's then meant to be, I think, two degrees on Saturday night or Sunday night. So, yeah, it's pretty wild, isn't it? The fact that we're experiencing all the seasons, basically, in the space of four days. Weather chat to start a podcast. Love Graham. it. Graham, how's it going? You're a little bit under the weather, Graham? Not too bad. Just just, just tiring. Probably have a little bit of a relax during the national week, but it never seems to never seems to come to pass. But um, unlike these international windows, never ending, aren't they, because of the catching up with themselves ahead of the Euros next summer? We do have one more window after this in November to come as well. So it's not the end. Uh, just getting just getting the forewarnings in there because I think it doesn't re- people doesn't really click with people and people don't realise until they actually approach. But hey, uh, yes, another couple of weeks off of club football. Uh, Arsenal beating Manchester City in the top of the table clash at the weekend. And now Spurs are top of the table in the Premier League. I know Graham will be patting himself on the back for that. Uh, I'm sure he will. Anyway, uh, 90min.com for all the latest uh, from the team at 90min. 90min.com forward slash talking transfers for all the latest transfer news from us and at 90min underscore football on social media, all the usual social media channels at 90min underscore football. Today we'll be talking about Eden Hazard announcing his retirement before we started recording this We'll get into a few of the reasons why he's decided to retire. We'll talk Vinny Jr., New Deal at Real Madrid, Man City still keen on Joshua Kimmich. We'll talk some potential midfield stars of the future being eyed up by Man City, Man United. Andre Trinidad is one of them. João Neves is another Liverpool in the mix as well for Andre Trinidad. We'll talk Irons in the Fire. It's back. We still don't have a... Uh, a siren or any kind of sound. We need to get onto the production team for that. And we'll talk Vic Osserman and a potential New Deal update on him as well. But we'll jump to the start with Eden Hazard or Eden Hazard. Toby, sad end to his career. He was fantastic, wasn't he? During his pomp. Yeah, he was, he was the best player in the Premier League for at least 12, possibly 18 months at one point one of the best players in Europe and I could be at some stage he was the best player in the world um on his day absolutely electrifying his ability with the ball at his feet his agility turning on a sixpence his burst of pace um the fact that he was 
equally as good with his left foot as he was with his right. So influential for Chelsea. Um, and I really wanted that move to Real Madrid to work out for him. But um, four years he was there, injuries deprived him of the ability to really play. And he played 54 games in La Liga for Real Madrid in the entire time that he was there. And he happened to go there as well at a time when Vinicius Junior had joined the club a year before from Flamengo. Uh, got off to a bit of a slow start, but soon he was top of the pecking order, wasn't he? And a sad ending for Hazard. Uh, ultimately, it's probably the right decision, right? We don't want to see him tumbling down the leagues in terms of quality of club he was playing for. But at 32, that's no age to really bow out at the top of the game. Well, he's essentially been out of football since he was about 30, really, because he's about, had these injury problems, didn't get into Real Madrid's team. As you mentioned there, Toby Vinny Jr. is... <coughs> is the one on that side uh, where Hazard made his name really and became as good as he became. Vinny Jr. is firmly established as that that player now. Real Madrid let him go in the summer as well. And Graham, it was there were questions for a while about what he would do next. It was always a suspicion, I suppose, that he might retire. Um, did he have options on the table? Did he turn them down? What was the thinking behind this? Because obviously this is this decision has been made in mid-October. Has he just taken stock of what options are available to him and made the decision from there? Yeah, exactly right, Scott. He's He had options um, once he was free from his commitments at Real Madrid. Saudi Arabia, not unsurprisingly, he had, he had chances to go there. MLS, which you think might have been tempting for him um, to go over there. Um but no, he's decided to call quits. The, the interestingly was option for him as well to go back to Belgium. We understand Anderlecht and Molenbeek, both where his brothers are playing, um, Torgan and Killian respectively. So he could have gone back to Belgium, but no, he's just, you know, 32. He, he's got nothing else to prove, has he? You know, um, it, it didn't it really didn't work out for him at Real Madrid. Their record signing, still, I didn't realize that still still is their record signing, just didn't work. That's really big. Probably the last big Galactico signing we ever saw from Madrid, and they've gone down a different avenue since then. Um, well, that so was they... the one, wasn't it? That that was the one that seemed to signify, yeah, we are not going to do this anymore. And there's still clubs who are falling into the trap of signing players at the peak age of their career. Buying high, and yeah, buying high. And it's yeah, yeah. It's Florentino Perez and Juan Califa. I think that was the one where. You know, they, they, uh, because with Hazard as well, that's something that Califat and Perez knew knew about him whilst he was at Lille. So, so we should have got him before he went to Chelsea. That was uh, their view of that. And, and they've gone down that avenue ever since. So, yeah, it's a tough one for me and Hazard. I think um, I do. I, it just reminds me when I look back at him, I don't know why. I just think of this lost generation of these Belgian players where, and De Bruyne and Hazard, I think we will look back to a certain extent, as we do with the Gerard and Lampards, of did you really do it all? Did you really, you know, not being able to do anything with Belgium at national level when they should have? At times, Belgium, they were ranked number one in the world, weren't they, with mm-hmm. Hazard and De Bruyne at some point, and they just didn't do it. Such a, um, I think they themselves will look back and think we should have done a lot more on the international stage. Uh, but yeah, um, wonderful career in, in the Premier League. I just, yeah, a, a little bit. I think a little bit um, overshadowed his career by what happened at Real with Belgium. So, yeah, still a world-class player, though. Firmly established as a, a Chelsea favourite. I'm seeing, obviously, I follow a bunch of Chelsea uh, fans and people who work within football who are, have affiliations to Chelsea who are saying 
obviously he was he was unplayable for a long time. And I think among their top players to have ever seen play for Chelsea, he scored some iconic goals for Chelsea. I mean, that that one at Liverpool in the League Cup was the one that stood out for me, but I know he scored that one against against Tottenham to gift Leicester the league. And there's a ton of others as well. Um, yeah, sad day, really. I think this one's been coming, but sad day. Not the, the genius of him, Scott, is he'd been at Chelsea for two years, possibly three years, and then he had that stick, didn't he? 2015-16, when Chelsea had won the league the season before. They came 10th or 11th under Jose Mourinho, and Hazard had a really, really bad season. But then the next year, he was the standout player in the Premier League. Chelsea reclaimed the title. Hazard was brilliant that season and also in his final two years at Chelsea. Finished his career there on a high as well, didn't he? Won the Europa League, but I think he'd scored 15, Baku, 16. Yeah, I was there. Yeah. Oh, you were there, weren't you? Of course. Um, you saw peak Edin Hazard. Um, I saw his final Premier League game as well, which was a, a climb off the bench nil, nil against draw Leicester. Leicester. Yeah. yeah, that was the <laughs> final day of the season. I did anything but watch that particular game. But um, yeah, incredible player who thought he was losing his way at Chelsea and then bounce back you know probably to a level that he'd never reached before yeah as we mentioned uh hazard was probably the last big galactico signing that madrid made i know they've bought bellingham this kind of thing but i, I suppose you can put that into a different box in a sense because you're talking about a 19 20 year old kid who's obviously going to be one of the greatest players of his generation but you're buying him for the course of the next 10 15 years and he's he slotted in very well to begin with. Uh, just a final note on Hazard. I'm seeing a lot of people say one of the last great entertainers is is the the dribbler, the entertainer, really dying out. As a we've seen the death of the number ten in in a sense in football. In terms of the the great entertainers who are there to kind of dribble through players, this kind of thing. Players nowadays are a lot more functional and part of the team, right? So it kind of takes the joy out of it in a sense. I, th- I think there's some depends how he had license to because I think when you get high, the higher you go, so Vinny Jr. will have the license to do it because of what he's got behind him at Real. And I think it does help that um, some of these players are allowed to do it. But hey, look, one of the best players this season has been Pedro Neto. And if he can do it in the Wolves team, I think some players, if they're, if they're in the mood and they can and they get licensed to, they're still, still there. Certainly a dying art squad in the Premier League. Every Premier League player has now got defensive responsibility, right? You see very few players. Who That's kind of that. what I'm trying to say. Yeah, it still happens. No, look at the, the, the best team in the Madrid. Premier League at the minute. Look at Tot- Tottenham. Madison doesn't have any defensive responsibility. Son doesn't. The two wide players barely do. Hey, it's all about Angeball now. Well, you, you, James Madison's not the type of player to kind of uh, dribble past four players and you know pick out the top corner, is he? He's he's a different different profile mm-hmm. player and equally. Eden Hazard fun, has very fun to watch. Fun, fun to watch, so I put him in the fun category. Yeah, different definition of fun, though, is what I'm trying to say. Anyway, uh, Vinny Junior is Eden Hazard's replacement. Sad news on Eden Hazard, but obviously, great career he had, and especially during his time at Chelsea and Lille as well. But uh, Vinny Junior is the one who did he take a shirt number as well? Did he get given the number seven? I can't. I can't, I can't remember exactly, but. Uh, Vinny Jr. is in the Real Madrid team and has been for a number of years and is a new deal on the agenda for him. Graham, can you tell us about the detail? Yeah, it still has been coming for a long time, coming two years. It's because he's out of contract technically. Well, he is not technically. He is out of contract at the end of the season. It's something Real have been working on. They've got no issues 
um, with this. It's just been little things like the image rights and, and other technicalities. That's what they're saying to us. It's a done deal. It's, it's with this new one will be to 2027. Um, it's been changing all the way through because it's been talks have been going on that long. Um, we've had to change the actual length of it or the date of the expi- expiration for him on this new deal. Uh, it'll be worth a billion pound with the release clause on it. Release billion euros, I should say. Sorry, billion euros. Not that it really matters. Um, no one with financial fair play, you couldn't afford to pay it anyway. Um, and he'll be their highest paid player, actually, which is it's quite interesting. Um, highest paid player, we're told, since Cristiano, Cristiano Ronaldo was at the Bernabeu. But yeah, fully deserved. You know, he's one of the best in Europe now, isn't he? And, you know, they've brought him through. And he's done a wonderful job. Yeah, there's no there's no worries here. He's very happy in the Spanish capital. And and recent things with the off-field and, and the racism thing, he's delighted with how Real backed him. They've really put their arm around him. Um, he loves his time there. And there's no indication whatsoever that he'd be wanting to move anywhere else. So, yeah. Um, the, hoping, or the, the hope is it might be announced before the next game, which is Sevilla on October 21st. So we have just changed their manager as well, haven't they? Uh, Toby, some some breaking news as we... Uh, this is away from Vinny and transfers generally, but the UK and Ireland have just been confirmed as your 2028 hosts. Uh, so, interesting news. Unopposed bid, wasn't it? So, uh, yeah, you know there's going to be a serious problem if we weren't awarded it. We're quite fortunate, aren't we, really, to be having it again. Um Let's just hope the marshalling of tickets, etc., is uh, a little bit better than it was for the Euro 2020 final. Well, that was technically not England, was it? That was that was all <laughs> over Europe. But hey, maybe this generation will have another chance to win a major tournament on home soil. Anyway, uh, that was a brief brief interlude. There, we'll talk Manchester City next. They were defeated by Arsenal at the weekend, looking a little bit toothless. They had Erling Haaland marked out of the game. They had Rodri absent. And you don't want to call them, you know, I'm not going to call them a one-on-one team, but what I'm trying to get at is that Rodri and Kevin De Bruyne are especially uh, imperative to uh, teams like Manchester City going and steamroller in leagues. And Arsenal had some players out as well. But Toby, what did you make of the game as a spectacle? As a spectacle, it wasn't great, was it? I think we build it as being a clash of the titans, but key players being out um, affected the quality of it. And you don't want to say that City are reliant solely on Rodri and Kevin De Bruyne because they've achieved so much. But you struggled to see where they were going to create chances. And I think we said in the summer transfer window that we actually felt City were maybe a player light um, in the creative department. And... Without Jeremy Doku on the field or Jack Grealish, they didn't really have anything different in their team, did they? They had a lot of players who all did the same thing. Uh, Rico Lewis, 18-year-old, trying to fill in Rodri's footsteps in defensive midfield. He did a good, solid job, but again, doesn't really have that authority and presence that Rodri has. And Kevin De Bruyne, obviously, is one of the best in the business in terms of creating chances. So... City were well below their best. Arsenal um, came with a game plan, didn't they? They were far more compact, far more uh, organised, ensured that City couldn't break through. And more importantly, they they marked Haaland out of the game, as you say there, Scott. And then they scored a fortuitous late goal. But hey, that could be huge for them to overcome that mental barrier of beating City. Um, Only issue is it might rile City up now because that's three domestic defeats in a row, which is unheard of. 
or without Rodri, but I believe he'll be back after the international break. And we always sat, we always have this conversation about City at some point early in the season where they haven't really. It was Arsenal last year, one that who started off with a a big old what they steamrolled the league uh, for the first few weeks, and City eventually came back and powered through in the end and beat them by a hell of a lot. But Graham, your your, your shout for Tottenham winning the league then. Uh, talk to us about this. Uh, do you think Do you think Tottenham are going to win the league now? I think they are. I think they're in certainly in the mix. You know, I don't. I don't see it. I presume. You know, we can only presume that City are going to improve. You know, I think City are, would point to the fact that they're without the best player in the Premier League and have been all season in De Bruyne. Let's not forget how good Kevin De Bruyne is. And, and and they've been doing okay without him. You know, it's been the it's been the lesser lights, and obviously they've lost Rodri, but those around him haven't really stepped up to the same extent. But can you have reserves as good as De Bruyne and Rodri? You know, even even City can't do that, can they? Um, and obviously what about lost, Phil Foden, Graham. They lost Gundogan. I think Phil Foden's had a very good season. I think, especially when he's been playing centrally, I think he's been standing out. I think Bernardo, Bernardo's had a slow start, if I'm being honest. Um, even Haaland, I did see yesterday that he scored eight goals. Doesn't feel like it. It just doesn't feel like he's dominating the scoring charts and he's top of them. But yeah, it hasn't quite been been there for City, but they're still up there. They're still in the mix. Tottenham, I th- I think that they're still a little bit like in midfield when Hoiberg comes in. It's a bit, I think it's a step down for them. Um, I think central defence will look great. I think Van der Veen's looking excellent. I think Poro's starting to learn how to defend in training clearly. So if that helps. <laughs> Udogi looking good. Madison is not... Not since I think I think it's not since Bruno is a new signing fitted in as good at a new club as as James Madison. He looks made for that role. Um, I, it's, it's injury dependent squad, isn't it? I think Tottenham squad is a little bit thin. So if we lost some any of these big players, and if we lost a Madison or a Son for long periods, I think they'd be in trouble. But we can say about the most clubs in Europe, can't we? If we lose the big players. Yeah, just going back to City on losing their big players. We talked about their what Bernardo Silva filled in in the six. At uh, the weekend, a little bit alien to him, as he admitted in his post-match uh, press conference or uh, po- post-match chat with uh, journalists. Um, but City still remain keen on bolstering their midfield. We reported, Graham, numerous times, I want to say. We reported numerous times that they still, or they have wanted Joshua Kimmich from Bayern. And that is still the case, as we understand. Yeah, um, we know Kimmich as well. It was really interesting. We we had we reported this early in the new year, and it came out in the summer, didn't it? That Kimmich was a little bit unsettled at Bayern. Um, he wasn't hiding the fact. And and now, yeah, City City love Kimmich. They always have. And and our understanding is they are going to try and go back in for him in twenty twenty four. Obviously, City have signed Matias Nunes. Not not the same player in any way, shape, or form. Kovacic, you know, he was always going to be a bit of a. Um, a lesser option, but I think Kimmich. Um, from my personal point of view, I think I think he's made for City. I think he'd be in, <laughs> he'd be outstanding for any team. But I think particularly City, the way he can cover defence midfield, I think him next to Rodri would be potentially be special. And I think City's field is a chance of getting Kimmich. Obviously, Bayern hoping they'll sign a new deal. I think twenty twenty five is his current expiry date, so I think get him to sign a new deal. But we've heard murmurings here that Kimmich is ready to move on and. You know, and there'll be a lot of clubs in for him. Kosovo, there's only so many who can sign him. But yeah, City are very keen on this lad, and um, be fascinating to see see what happens come come January. Especially maybe if we see Bayern back in for Polina, as as could be the case. If they come in for Polina and get him, 
Kimmich may be available in January. We suspect it's more for the summer, Scott, but never say never at the moment. Barcelona have wanted Kimmich for, I think Xavi has called him one of the best midfielders in the world, etc., etc. The feeling might be mutual. But uh, Graham, I'll just come back to you now. It's not the only midfielder potentially on the agenda for Manchester City. We've, uh, we did a story a number of days ago now about a Benfica youngster who is of interest to Manchester City and Manchester United, who probably do need to bolster their midfield department as well. What can you tell us about Joao Neves? Yeah, fascinating player. He's 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 the, the the player in Benfica's midfield at the moment. He made the breakthrough probably twelve months ago, but is now a huge part of Roger Smith's side. He's earned his maiden call up to the Portuguese national team. It's just the latest one off the conveyor belt. A lot of people like Florentino Luis in there as his midfield partner. I know Liverpool like him a lot and, and United looked as well. But everyone when they're watching Benfica, this is the guy standing out. Um and City from where it's old. A really important position at the moment. It's a long way to go, but this 19-year-old he looks special, and, and you know, City have got a good, they've got a good eye when it comes to Benfica. Got a relationship. Ruben Diaz came in. We know United are looking at him as well, Scott. Um, United are looking at Benfica quite regularly. Antonio Silva is very high on United's list, the outstanding centre half. But obviously, during them spy missions, they've come across Joe Nevers as well. Yeah, um, Benfica like him a lot. They want to hold on to him clearly. But yeah, this boy, he's a bit special, um, we understand. So it's not a surprise as he's sitting there. City, you know, we've seen, as we mentioned, they brought in Kovacic, they brought in Nunes, but they still need a lot in there. And there's every chance that Calvin Phillips could move in January. And if Calvin Phillips does leave, that holding midfield role in there, someone to play that role. We've mentioned Kimmich, and there was also Neves. Clearly a scenario that City are looking at. So keep an eye on Joe Nevers, very special player. Obviously, to get him out of Benfica in January could be quite difficult. But yeah, he's a name you really need to add to your watch, to your watch list now. He's a he's a very talented boy. Just thinking throughout that there, Toby. A Lucas Paqueta was <laughs> potentially on the agenda for City in the summer, um, and also then Calvin Phillips, who West Ham tried to sign before he joined Manchester City as well. If I'm right. Uh, does that one still appeal to uh, those of West Ham interest? Uh, I think Calvin Phillips, yes, West Ham would still be interested in the player of his uh, ilk. West Ham are looking good in midfield. James Ward-Prowse has settled really well. Thomas Socek is looking really good. Edson Alvarez has been superb in defensive midfield. But I don't think West Ham are fully there if they pick up an injury. Um, Lucas Paqueta didn't move to City, as we know. Um, from my perspective, obviously delighted that didn't happen. He started off the season in really good form. I'd imagine there's going to be a lot more eyes on. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Paqueta moving forward. I'd imagine he's still on City's radar in some capacity. Um, Calvin Phillips, look, Pep Guardiola clearly doesn't fancy him if Rico Lewis, who is a fullback by trade, is getting the nod away at Arsenal in a defensive midfield role instead of Calvin Phillips. I think that says a lot about Pep's trust in him. It's a message to Calvin Phillips, really, that if you're not going to play in that type of game over a teenager, you're probably never really going to get an opportunity. So as Graham says, City clearly needs another option, wants another option in there. Jean Neves, incidentally, didn't he get his chance because Enzo Fernandez moved to Chelsea? So this is great business for Benfica. Not only did they pocket a British record transfer fee for Enzo Fernandez, it allowed them to promote Jean Neves to the first team. And now nine months after that, we're talking about him as being the next big star to come from their conveyor belt. So credit to them, Graham. Their um, academy is producing some wonder boys. It is, and I, I, we mentioned him there briefly. They want to keep out Antonio Silva. He's going to be—he's a fantastic young defender, um, and so yeah, a lot of teams are watching Benfica because of him. But yeah, Nevis is on the radar as well. Plenty uh, of talent coming through at Benfica, even even at the other teams in Portugal at the moment as well. You look at some prospects at Sporting and this kind of thing. But I'm going to pivot across to uh, Brazil because Liverpool are keen on a midfielder of their own. And this is a player that we've talked about on recent episodes of Talking Transfers, Graham Andre Trinidad, who Liverpool wanted. Am I right in saying that because they were in a continental competition, they were not looking to sell uh, before that was over? And where are we standing on that at the moment? Yeah, Andre, Andre Trindade, he's 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 a Brazilian national who's just won his first cap this year. I was, many people think he's the best defensive midfielder in the Brazilian top flight at the moment. And yeah, Flamengo didn't want to sell because they're in Copa Libertadores, but he didn't want to leave either. You know, the Copa Libertadores really is a huge thing for these South American players. And he's still only 22. I think he knows he wasn't in a hurry. If we remember, Fulham tried to sign him twice. They tried to sign him in January and they tried to sign him in the summer as well. So a lot of teams have been well aware of him. And we know that Liverpool did inquire again this summer. They, they looked at him early in the year and looked at him again as they were looking for their defensive midfielder, um, which arguably they still haven't found, even though they signed four midfielders in the summer. They're still lacking in that department. And, and it's our understanding, Scott, that they were in attendance um, for the Copa Libertadores semi-final. They were being delighted for Andre to see that he helped inspire um, a 2-1 uh, win up internationally in the second leg. It got them through to the final where they will play Boca Juniors, um, who were very fortunate to win their semi final. If you look, go and look at the stats for that Palmeiras game, they got absolutely pummeled in that game, but they managed to get through on penalties. So, yeah, Fluminense will be going in there as firm favourites, I suspect. Yeah, but Andre, yeah, he really is one on the agenda for January. Um, and I'd be amazed if he doesn't leave Fluminense. Will it be to Liverpool? I think they're first in the queue. Uh, need Liverpool to say no for someone else to get him, is my belief. Liverpool potentially looking at signing as many as five midfielders in the course of six, eight months? Are we talking? How many have they signed? Yeah, uh, and, and obviously... McAllister, we... Schalberslai, Endo, Gravenberg and Andre, potentially. But then again, if you think Henderson's gone... Um... 
Thiago's gonna go. Who did with Brazilian? I'm forgetting. He went. Fabinho um, went. So if Thiago goes, there's three going. So it's not. It's not silly, is it? And you know, um, I think they needed it. That but is how I, you do a rebuild. Yeah, um, McAllister clearly isn't that six, and I do wonder why this, they're persisting with that at the moment. He's he's costing them points playing that role, really. So, but then again, what are we? October, another international break, another one in November, Scott. It's not it's only a few weeks to go till till January when they could potentially bring Andre in. So um yeah, we'll keep an eye on him. But he's he's definitely leaving Fluminense in January and um he may very well be turning up at Anfield. Let's go to East London for some irons in the fire with Toby Cudworth. You have a a blockbuster uh not announcement because the announcement's already been made, but you have a blockbuster story to lead with for this section. Yeah, just I think it's the best news that West Ham could have received this season. Liverpool looking at potential Mo Salah replacements. Jared Bowen was on that list, but he is not going to be leaving West Ham. He signed a new seven-year contract running until the summer of 2030. Me and Graham did a story a couple of weeks back to say West Ham had stepped these talks up in the hope of getting a deal. Agreed before January, uh, West Ham had been speaking to Bowen and his representatives for a number of months. His profile obviously raised further by scoring a winning goal in the Europa Conference League final, scored five goals in his opening eight Premier League games, recalled to the England squad. So I think from West Ham's perspective, it was their top priority to get Bowen Tied down, his deal was up in 2025. So had it got to January, he'd have only had 18 months left and you'd have felt that there was a good chance. Liverpool or another interested party, Newcastle have liked him in the past, um, would perhaps have had confidence of of getting Bowen out, but he's committed his future to West Ham long-term. A huge boost for a West Ham side who have started the season positively, as I've already touched on, going well in the Premier League and two wins out of two in the Europa League suggests that West Ham might be stabilising their position as kind of, I don't want to say European regulars, but I think West Ham are going to be in the mix again to qualify for Europe next season, which is clearly what's um, persuaded Bowen to stay um, and hopefully drive the team forward in the coming years. Is that a top eight to qualify for Europe now? With top five being Champions League, would top eight get you in Europe? Probably? I think the coefficients, so possibly five for the Champions League and then... My understanding is it would still be two Europa League spots on offer and, what, and then and one, one for the Conference League. So, yeah, yeah so, so top eight is obviously depending on who wins the FA Cup and, and League Could Cup. technically yeah. have up to 11 teams from England in, in European competition next season, depending wow. on who the winners of the yeah. competitions this season are So well, and where they finish in the, the league. So would you take a West Ham Europa League win and an 11th place finish this season, Tom? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> pretty, pretty similar to last year. Yeah, <laughs> last year I took exactly that, pretty much. Um, it says a lot for the Premier League, doesn't it, that arguably you could put 10 or 11 teams now in Europe and they wouldn't look out of place. Brighton fought back and got a point against Marseille. You'd expect Villa are going to do well this season. West Ham have started off well. There's a couple of other teams who are knocking on the door. Don't forget Chelsea and Spurs aren't even in Europe this season. So I think a world where there's 10 or 11 English teams in Europe, most of them would do quite well and get to the latter stages of those well, competitions. Apart from, apart from we that. always have these the, the, the <laughs> mid-tail mid Premier League teams like my own Middlesbrough and Fulham reaching finals of European competitions. So for the last decade and more, England team, English teams have been punching the weight in Europe. Well, we think we, think we know why that is, right? 
There's a lot of uh, television long may con- money. And long may it continue. Mistake. Long may it continue, Scott. Long may it continue. That is uh, underpinning the success of teams in, in England or meaning that teams spend money frivolously and it blows up in their faces. Anyway, uh, we'll, also, we'll, we'll maybe touch on United at the end. Um, <laughs> but let's do uh, let's do Victor Osserman, Graham. Where, where do we stand with him at the moment? Obviously, lots has happened uh, over the past few weeks regarding you know a, a post on social media which was just awful uh there's been fallout because of that there's a new deal potentially on the table for him there's rudy garcia's job is potentially you know at risk this kind of thing and where, where do we stand on that currently yeah this is a deal that should have been done in the summer scott um aurelio de Laurentiis, the 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 famed napoli owner negotiator um, he's been he's been saying no problems. This is getting done even after a TikTok incident. Yeah, there's no problems. He he's, he sort of sent out a message um, to Osiman. I thought it was fast, his actual last quote about Osiman. I thought it was interesting where he said um, these players can no longer find their main roads for their careers after they've left Napoli. I think he was really intimating to Osiman. You know, the grass isn't always green. And don't go looking for these big clubs. He's he's really. I think you get a sense that he's a, a tad worried about Osman now because he was going to get a big new deal, would have a release clause in it. But I think his current deal is 2025. There's issues here with Osman now. We've seen that the way he's been treated, as you said, it was appalling the way he was treated. Napoli didn't technically apologise to him. Fair enough, the lawyers probably told him not to. But, you know, I think the way he's been treated, um, it's only leading to one way. And I think... Um, Napoli realise if he doesn't sign his new contract, they're going to have to sell next year. And there are suitors out there. We know Chelsea have liked him for a long time. And they are one of the clubs who are really sitting watching this contract situation. Because, you know, there's no, there's no point. If he signs this new deal, even with a release clause, he's not going to leave next summer. It'll be for 2025. If he doesn't sign this new contract now leading into January, he's going to be available next year. And the clubs know it. Yeah, he's going to be a lot of money. He's going to be over 100 million euros. We know that. But, you know, as some of these clubs have seen, it's not easy getting these top strikers in, no matter what you play. So, I think it's a fascinating one, Osman. I think he'll be... Only he will know when he wants to sign this new deal. As it stands, it doesn't look imminent. So, we'll keep an eye on this as we lead in January. And then people say a deal in January is unlikely. Of course it is. But when you've got Chelsea interested in the player... Anything can happen, as we know. we cannot rule anything out when it comes to Chelsea. Will they bid big for Osimhen in January? It could it, quite possibly. Um, I don't think there's anyone else ready to make that big bid in January. I think Arsenal have looked at him in the past to do like him. Is that too much for Arsenal to do in January? I think it probably would be if we're talking plus 100 million in January. But I'm sure some Arsenal fans said, "Look, if he can guarantee us a Premier League title, go and get him." And which are still looking at the weekend's game, they desperately need new forward. They're desperate, they, they really do. I've said this all along. Eddie, Eddie and Ketty are masquerading as a Premier League striker is just bizarre to me. And and I think if, if they do lose this title again, it will be Eddie and Ateta's fault because it will come down to a lack of goals, in my opinion. I think it won't, be, as long as they don't suffer the injuries at the back, even with their full strength team, I, you do worry about them converting these chances because here's just looks miles off at the minute. Any uh, repost there, Toby? I think Graham's right, to be honest. Um, they do need more goals. They need a regular goal threat through the middle. I think Martinelli's return to fitness 
It's a huge boost. Obviously, he scored the winner on Sunday. Saka has been a constant in that team for two and a half years, wasn't it, since he'd last missed a Premier League game. Um, Trossard looked off it on Sunday. I think that's the difficulty with coming in and out of the team. You're either going to put in a, a really good performance or you're going to be a bit anonymous. Jesus looks short of it, as Graham has said there. And I think if Arsenal are in a position in January where they are top of the table or they're within touching distance of the title, could they really pass up the opportunity to go for somebody like Osman if they've got the money? Maybe not. Maybe they would well, have to go. Guys, guys, I was just thinking, don't they remind you of City before Haaland a little bit? Good in the build-up phase, create <laughs> lots of chances, dominate the ball, but then don't actually do the thing that matters most, which is put it in the back of the net. Yeah, there are similarities, I think, to be drawn there. Um, Jesus clearly flourishes out wide, and I think that's Arsenal's problem, isn't it? He would ideally like to play in the, the Martinelli role on the left. I think that's where Jesus is at his most effective, but Arsenal well, need him through the that, middle. We did, we did question that. Here's the signing. Was it uh, was it last summer? Lose track. Lose track summer. Yeah. We did question him playing as that central striker. And that was always an issue. He, he'd never done it at City very well. And, and he turned, turned into a world-class wide forward. And, and it's coming back to haunt him a little bit. He's, and obviously the Havertz stuff in the summer, he was always, and he did well at the weekend, to be fair to him. He, but he, he did well as a, a good old-fashioned number nine laying the ball off, didn't he? Um, as I said, I still, if, if it's either Tony or Simon, and, and we said this on a previous pod, didn't we? So, yeah, they might, he might come, whoever comes in in January, if they do sign a strike, it might be only eight or ten goals. But they're, they're the differences, aren't they, between these, them, them draws they had at the end of last season? That's the difference, isn't it? And, and I think they've got a really strike while Lane's hot you know you might not get these chances to beat City again I think City look vulnerable at the minute so you've got to bring that striker in for me yeah I think that is Arsenal are looking nearly there maybe they just lack that little extra one cherry on the cake kind of thing and that could be a play like a box office striker like Victor Osman would be seriously uh, helpful to their cause you would think but hey I don't Personally, I don't think we're going to see that until the summer at the very least. But yeah, if he doesn't sign a new deal, his uh, leverage to get out of Napoli will be a hell of a lot stronger. Anyway, Graham, should we touch on the Man United ownership uh, before we before we go? And obviously, there's been developments over the last few days in terms of David Beckham potentially getting involved in uh, as an ambassador in some bids. He, he said at the F1 in Qatar that he knows or he thinks he knows the right people who can take charge of Man United if the Glazers sell. United took a uh, late, late 2-1 win at the weekend to relieve some pressure on the club as a whole going into the international break, but obviously there's still lots to fix there. And we are in the 11th month of the sale process or um, what was the terminology? It was... a uh, strategic investments Investments, or something like that. So where do we stand at the moment, Graham, on this? And could you explain how David Beckham could potentially be involved if you have any information on it? Overall, it hasn't moved on from last time we spoke, Scott, in terms of the... Um, the Ineos bid now looking at a possibility of minority stake. Shit just seems to want to buy it overall. That's where we are. David Beckham's interesting. We actually did a story 11... Sorry, 13 months ago in November last year, that David Beckham was being linked with um, prospective bids. You know, he knows the Qataris well. He was a World Cup ambassador 
He's got links in the country. Sheikh Jassim, let's remember his 92 foundation is partly named after David Beckham. He, he loves that um, class of player. But, uh, and he, he would be possibly involved if Sheikh Jassim gets control of the club. Um, you know, that's not a surprise. I'm also being told that other investors have been, uh, have had, Raising the heads above the parapet now that Jim Ratcliffe has made is looking at his minority bid. Will there be other minority bids? You know, because a minority bid means that there was other possibilities to sell bits of the club for the Glazers. I'm being told that other investors are now touching base with Beckham as well and his people, looking at looking at potential investment as well. So it wouldn't surprise me. I'm being told that. David Beckham might have opportunities away from Qatar. Obviously, he's still interested in Qatar, still involved there. But yeah, let's let's keep an eye on this. Beckham could be an interesting party. Um, you know, who better than to bring bids together or bring interested parties together? If you're in America and want to invest in Manchester United, who are you going to speak to apart from the Glazers? You probably are going to talk to David Beckham, aren't you? Especially if you're already involved in MLS. So it's a, it makes sense in a lot of ways. So uh, we'll keep we'll keep an eye on David Beckham. Once you've watched the Netflix documentary on him, which is fascinating. Um, yeah, has everyone it, seen that? I not, not fully yet. No. I enjoyed it. I, I love Beckham. So, so yeah, I think it's one of those. Yeah. If you like Beckham, you're going to love it. If you hate him, you won't like it. <laughs> it's one of those. Um, I thought it was good. Yeah, but keep an eye on Beckham. It's interesting, Scott. Yeah. Um, I guess it's not surprising as a United fan to hear that, that he's... He's keeping his, his um, ear close to the ground when it comes to United and possible investments. Toby joked this morning, do we think David Beckham could bring Leo Messi to Old Trafford? <laughs> um, I'm, I'm waiting for the story to come out, Scott. <laughs> now that we've had the link between Beckham saying he knows the right people, so we'll connect the dots to Qatar, then we'll redirect those dots to, ooh, David Beckham's part of Inter Miami. Ooh, Messi could leave them and go to United online. I don't think there's enough money in the world for <laughs> Oh, I mean, that would be something, wouldn't it, for Man United to ruin Lionel Messi? Uh, which, you know, we are joking. There's nothing. There's nothing in this. We're we're just uh, merely speculating. But yeah, uh, keep an eye out for developments on that. Uh, any final words from Toby or Graham? We're actually out of the agenda today. We're, we're done. Well, I thought Until... we were going to touch on Manchester United um, talking of beloved sons. Obviously, we're going to see Wayne Rooney. Returning. Ah, uh, yes, I've missed him off my. Yeah, off the Wayne Rooney. I can put my slate in Erasmus Hoyland to one side for another week, Scott. Um, and we can talk Wayne Rooney. Um, yeah, he he's coming into a very. He's coming into Birmingham City. Is our understanding? It's a done deal. They've been lining him up for quite a few weeks, really. Um, but Tom Brady let it slip, didn't he? Um, on his visit. About talk Wayne Rooney, isn't he? One of the part owners of Birmingham City. Let's slip about Rooney being in the mix, and it's come to pass. Um, Rooney did a very good job at Derby County previously. Um, the new ones have come in and done a good job with Birmingham. <clears throat> Obviously, it's not nice for John Eustace to, to be cast aside because he's been outstanding for Birmingham. They were one of the favourites for relegation last year, and for him to keep them up was a wonderful job. But obviously, they think Rooney will take him to the next level. Rooney's still got that appeal. He'll bring some big names in with him. And and Birmingham are on the up. They really are. They're, they'll do business in January, and they're already sixth. They don't need an awful lot of work, but you know, the likes of Leicester, Southampton, Leeds are going to be very, very hard to beat in the Championship. Their squads are so far ahead of everyone else, it is it's this is a story of English football, which I, I don't think anyone outside the Premiership realizes that we saw it last year with the teams coming back up, and maybe even the year before. But now these Premier League squads who are dropping down, 
are absolutely like on different levels to, to to squads we're seeing in the rest of the championship. Um, but Birmingham will will spend the money. They'll give it a go, and Rooney's going to come in, and yeah, one to watch. Um, you know, and um, I'm sure Eric Ten Hag will keep now win Rooney's progress. Like we're seeing United fans, if he gets Birmingham up and does a wonderful job. I would just say, be careful what you wish for. This is one of those classic situations where John Eustace has done a really good job, as you say, Graham. Birmingham want to play a certain type of football. I don't understand what that means in a modern game. We're obsessed with, oh, we must have somebody who's high profile, who plays a certain way, because they're going to bring players in with them. That's a really, really tough league to get out of. So if Birmingham managed to achieve it, fair play to them. But there's every chance that they could go backwards from this. Um, Wayne Rooney did do a good job at Derby, but arguably he could have done better there. His record at DC United is average to say the least i think his win rate as a manager overall is 27 percent. you know it's hardly all singing and all dancing it's a massive thing for birmingham to disrupt what's clearly been a good run um just to bring a name in but hey that's what happens with um ownership when you bring in someone like tom brady i guess you've got to have a a glamorous name to kind of be the figurehead and john eustace has paid the price for not being that we've seen american owners in england because Look what Bournemouth have done. They they swapped out O'Neill for the big name European and it's come back to bite them at the moment. Uh, Toby, you just referred to it as glamorous and I I, I saw somebody tweet sexy na- sexiest names and I was like, <laughs> Wayne Rooney. Good <laughs> Lord. <laughs> not, as, in that, uh, not in that sense, but... Y- you, know, yeah. I, you know what I'm getting at. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, well, Wayne Rooney going into Birmingham City. We'll see how he does and uh, best of luck to him. But... That's it for us from Talking Transfers for this week. Uh, join us next time for for more as we edge closer to the January transfer window. It'll come around before you know it. I'm sure it will. Please subscribe on all your major podcast platforms and follow us on social media at double underscore Scott Saunders at Graham Bailey and at Toby underscore Cudworth. 90min.com for all the latest from the 90min team, 90min.com forward slash talking transfers for latest transfer news and 90min underscore football on social media for everything that we do really. And we'll see you next time from Graham, Toby and myself, Scott. Thanks for listening, everyone. Catch you soon for another Talking Transfers. Want to get smarter about investing? Then tune in to the Capital Ideas podcast from Capital Group, home of American Funds Distributors, Inc., one of the world's leading asset managers. Each week, we bring you stock market outlooks, macroeconomic updates, and investment strategies that can help you succeed. Learn from portfolio managers with decades of experience about how they navigate uncertain markets. Prepare to be engaged, enlightened, and entertained by listening to the Capital Ideas Podcast today. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.